Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I am James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. I believe that many internet companies may consider directly prohibiting minors from using their services. We've got that story plus bot internet theories. But first, Soros to end most EU operations in a radical shift. George Soros' Open Society Foundations, which are now controlled by his son Alexander, will cease most of its operations in the European Union. The move, which comes after foundation-funded NGOs, as noted by Zero Hedge, ferried migrants to Europe for over a decade, maybe it's mission accomplished, comes after the $25 billion Family Foundation announced a headcount reduction of at least 40% following Alexander's ascent. Citing a radical shift of strategic direction, OSF says that their new operating model will require significant further restructuring and closing all regional and global programs, according to a letter sent to grantees in Hungary, which was seen by Bloomberg. Ultimately, the new approved strategic direction provides for withdrawal and termination of large parts of our current work within the European Union, shifting our focus and allocation of resources to other parts of the world. James, you and I were just joking mere moments ago that the picture with this article about the EU shows the Soros boys hanging out in San Francisco, other parts of the world. OSF will largely terminate funding within the European Union and further funding will be extremely limited, it reads, without elaborating, except to say that the organization is pivoting because EU institutions and governments were already allocating significant resources to human rights, freedom, and pluralism inside the bloc. James, they say it right there. We've already captured you. I think it's kind of the same reason crypto dudes are getting chopped up and showed up in suitcases. Stay with me here. This portion of the op is over. They just put Sam Bankman Fraud back in jail. My wager is that dude's not going to kill himself really soon. I think it's why BLM didn't have a place at the Biden table once he was selected. This portion of the op is over. You can imagine little, little Alex Soros saying, thanks for helping us build giant swaths of the New World Order while you guys yelled at each other about gender and beer and Oprah burning down her baby's blood factory in Hawaii with Mountain Dew Maui Burst and also, of course, how space is fake and that that MFR is not real. James. Oh, yeah, uh, such an important point. Of course, yeah. We While we down here are squabbling with each other about which particular line of which particular thing that you... Oh, you don't believe this thing? You don't believe that thing? Meanwhile, the people who are uh, presuming to really control the Earth are proceeding with their plans. And I think you're right to be suspicious of this. My only question is, in what way are we being lied to here? It certainly could be, as you say, that they're... Um, basically mission accomplished in EU, so now let's go invade other countries. Um, it could also be the fact that they're just lying about pulling out. I mean, let's believe it when we see it, right? And to what extent will they pull out and in what way? For example, everyone knows the Open Society Foundation and that as the Soros's vehicle, but he has a lot of other foundations, right? And so... Who knows if there's, you know, there will still be funds flowing in through the back door in various ways. At any rate, I think we can just take it uh, as a given that this is some form of op or some sort of lie. It just remains to be seen which particular form. But whatever it is, uh, yeah, you're right. That picture of them sitting there in front of the Golden Gate Bridge is very, very telling, isn't it? Because, yeah, I, I think certainly one of the places that they have been focusing on and presumably will continue to focus on is the United States. And, of course, all the DAs and other other types of positions that are uh, Soros-funded and appointed, essentially. Um, 
all I'm saying is, well, sit back and enjoy the show, guys, because I'm sure Soros isn't quite done with the world. And I, I like the idea of little little Soros as the what the DJ name for <laughs> for Alex. Yeah, well, let's <laughs> let's see how the uh, the transition of generations takes place here and what it ends up looking like. Don't give him any ideas. Remember, there was that Goldman Sachs DJ a couple couple years ago. But that's you. You make the great point, James. Is it just kind of changing out the birdcage liner? Hey, we changed the name, and nobody will even know what we're talking about anymore. Total information awareness. I'm pretty sure they canceled that. Monsanto. That doesn't even exist anymore. Blackwater. What are you talking about? That's crazy Bush era stuff. They can change the names. That's that's really it, man. Signs and symbols rule the world, and unfortunately, a lot of folks appear to be illiterate, esoterically speaking. Our second story on this New World Next Week, episode 526. It is a rich tapestry that we will lay out for you all in this episode. Bots have taken over nearly half of the internet, and a third of users can't tell, so they're going to be really confused all those fractions I just threw at them. Crossing paths with a robot or bot online is as common as finding a pair of shoes in your closet. It's a fundamental part of the internet, but users have hit a critical tipping point. An increasing number of people are losing the ability to distinguish between bots and humans. That is, if they ever had it to begin with. The article sort of just assumes they had this ability. James, it's, I could talk about having integrity that you need to sell out with. You sort of have to have the knowledge in order to lose it in the first place. It's a scenario developers have warned about for years, and it's easy to see why. A recent study concluded 47% of all internet traffic is now comprised of bot-generated content. That's an increase of more than 5% between 2022 and 2021. Concurrently, human activity on the internet, maybe this is a little hidden good news, just hit its lowest point in eight years. Coupled with advances in human-like exchanges driven by artificial intelligence, almost a third of internet users can't tell if they're interacting with a person anymore. In April, a landmark study called Human or Not was launched to determine whether people could identify if they were talking to another person or an AI chatbot. More than 2 million volunteers and 15 million conversations later, 32% of participants picked incorrectly. Older and younger adults both struggled at a similar level to discern who or what was on the other end of the conversation. Bad bot traffic, they claim, has increased 102% since last year and may outpace human-generated content entirely. Again. This happened, they say, in 2016 and was especially problematic during the U.S. presidential election. I think you can see where this is going. But for some, the solution is simple. Just unplug from the digital world. It's a sentiment shared often alongside notions of moving off the grid and longing for the days when the dead internet theory seemed much less plausible. But for many, this isn't realistic. Alternatively, some are striving for a balance with their online usage, including limiting their social media usage. I hope you can see where this is going. But we must note that, James, the dead internet theory is an online conspiracy theory, as Wikipedia must label all things, that asserts that the internet now consists of almost entirely of bot activity and automatically generated content that's manipulated by algorithmic curation, marginalizing organic human activity. These intelligent bots are assumed to have been made, in part, to help manipulate algorithms and boost search results in order to ultimately manipulate consumers. Further, Proponents of the theory accuse government agencies of using bots to manipulate public perception. The date for this death 
is generally given around, you know, 2016, 2017. James, what a coincidence. That's when all our friends and family lost their minds. Right on cue. Hey, hey, how about that weather out there? Whoa, that was the caller from hell. Hot dog, we have a wiener. There's clowns in Congress. Don't praise the machine. Yeah, anyway, I know you'll get that reference, but I'm sure some of the people in the audience might as well. Anyway, uh, yeah, are you human is kind of the question of the 21st century, perhaps. And uh, it's not even a rhetorical question, because you'll remember several years ago now, this must have been way back at the beginning of this trend, back when they're talking about the 2015-2016 timeframe. You'll remember Syrian Girl and other well-known human commentators online were being labeled as Russian bots, literal bots, because... If I remember correctly, they were algorithmically determined to be amplifying Russian propaganda in a, in, a, in a suspicious way. So they were literally labeled bots and had to go, actually, no, I'm a human being. Um, and that may, may very well be a, a sort of a trick up the sleeve that will be rolled out on the general masses in the coming years. But anyway, um, this story is kind of silly in some ways. It's like one of those stories where they turn to some random expert, just to get a, a quote, essentially, Daniel Cooper of tech developer, uh, tech developer and managing partner at Lolly, which we're not even told what that is, um, gives some helpful advice for determining whether you're talking to a human or a bot online. Spotting bots is like finding Waldo in a crowd. Look for repetitive patterns, lack of personalization, or rapid responses. Also, trust your gut. If it feels off, it might just be. In other words, be suspicious of everyone and everything and don't trust anything. Well, yeah, I guess that is the situation we're in at this point because his, yeah, lack of personalization, rapid responses, it's all subjective gobbledygook. You really can't know at this point what is on the other end of a faceless, nameless interaction that's taking place online. And increasingly with deep fake audio and video, even if you have audio or video of someone, you cannot actually trust that it's real. So now we're at the point where, yeah, unless you're face-to-face, you cannot actually be certain it is really, truly a human that you're talking to. And maybe that says something about how much time and energy and uh, um, emotional, mental, physical, and otherwise we are spending just sitting there staring at screens rather than in real-world conversations. It's certainly uh, food for thought, but... I'm not expecting everyone to just suddenly stop um, using their phones. Um, but there, there's many different aspects to this story, but one that I think is exceptionally important is the push for the upcoming digital ID um, to prove that you're a human, to prove that you really are you know, flesh and blood human. Well, there's going to have to be some kind of, I don't know, a biometric scan in order to get on the internet or something like that, right? Oh, don't worry. They've been working on that for many years, as we've been talking about for many years. The driver's license for the internet idea has been around for at least a decade under that under that title alone couple of decades under various guises, and the uh, U.S. government and others have been doing pilot projects and other things behind the scenes. They're just waiting for the catalyzing catastrophic event to drop it upon us. Um, so anyway, it is that is an aspect of this. And when it comes to dead internet theory, I must admit that, that uh, ever since I first encountered that idea, I've been a proponent of some version of it. I think yeah, probably most of the stuff we are seeing is algorithmically determined and generated and curated and how many humans are involved in this process at all anymore. But if people want some philosophical ruminations about that, I will point them to my, my recent uh, subscriber newsletter on the internet is dead, long live the internet. I've really been seeing so much, and again, probably since 2016, 
how many usernames on the platforms and the, the very few that I use, YouTube and Twitter, because I'm a fuddy-duddy old man. Oh, John D72893 just a giant string of gobbledygook. Are these all these new members? Really? All the names are taken, I guess? It's just like you mash the keyboard. I find a lot of those accounts really suspicious, and you look at them, it's like, oh, you showed up right around the time of the super scary Capitol riot. Interesting that they say, or just trust your gut. So, wait. So we can trust our gut in this situation? Don't trust my gut when it comes to weird pharmaceuticals, but trust my gut in this? Okay, gotcha. I, I will trust my gut when you tell me or don't tell me to do it. And that's what so much of this comes down to, James, and I think it's what we're going to lay out for our third story on this episode. I did make the note we will include a video for the DJ3000 now. <laughs> Is that what it was called? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For our third and final act, and hopefully it's only the third and final act of this episode, the model nation leads the way yet again. Two-hour daily phone limit for under-18s proposed by Chinese regulator. Grabbing this from Sky News, Chinese regulators have proposed rules that would limit under-18s to a maximum of two hours a day on their smartphones. The country's cyberspace regulator said it wanted providers of smart devices to introduce a so-called minor mode, which, of course, the Epstein gangs, they've been into it for years, which would bar users under the age of 18 from accessing the Internet on their mobiles from 10 p.m. until 6 a.m. Under the proposed rules, users aged 16 to 18 would be allowed two hours a day. Children aged 8 to 16 would get one hour, while children under 8 would be allowed eight minutes. The proposal comes as authorities have grown increasingly concerned about rates of myopia, short-sightedness, literally and figuratively, I would assume, James, and internet addiction among young people in recent years and highlights Beijing's desire to exert more control over digital life in China. Providers would also have to set time limits under the proposed reforms, but should also allow parents to opt out of the time limits for their youngsters, James. And I think this might be because the parents might not be all that different from the kids. They are all seemingly addicted to the fondle slabs. Chinese authorities have previously said they will look to support the development of tech giants. However, experts say daily limits on phone usage would be a headache for internet companies. A lawyer at a Shanghai law firm, I don't know if it's lawly or not, a lot of effort and additional costs to properly implement these new regulatory requirements, and the risk of non-compliance will also be very high. So I believe that many internet companies may consider directly prohibiting minors from using their services. Further, the process of transformation, even if it brings revolutionary change, is likely to be a long one, absent some catastrophic and catalyzing event like a new Pearl Harbor. James, I, I try and tell my parents about this. Parents, of course, are, you know, they're quick to go, oh, gosh, these problems. The news said these things were, oh, these internets, oh, the child porn, they should control the internet. Oh, these opioids. It's like how they got, oh, everybody, oops, hooked on the opioids, created by the DEA and Big Pharma. The sidebar story that I think is important. The number two at the Drug Enforcement Agency resigns after being exposed as a consultant to infamous opioid dealers, Purdue Pharmaceutical. AP even reported, Revolving Door, DEA's number two quits amid reports of previous consulting work for Big Pharma. They create the problem, the terrorists, the addiction. 
And then they want to say, whoa, whoa, it doesn't, it doesn't look like you're getting addicted to this thing. We scientifically formulated to be highly addictive. So you're going to need to come to us from now on and we'll adjust your pleasure and your pain. All necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, all boredom amused. And then this is where I kind of get afraid. This is you start to get older, and you what you fear the younger generation. Are we going to look at some children of the corn situation, like all the shopping mall flash mob robberies and teenage riots? Of course, again created by the judges in the jails, much like the drug problem created by the DEA and the pharmaceutical corporations. Uh, James, we're just getting a report. Teen gangs rioted again last night after a glitch in President Swift's UBI system halted social credit payouts to the teen gang's mandatory mobile devices affecting large swaths of FEMA regions 9 and 10. Is, it, is this a new show or is this the next sci-fi horror blockbuster, James? As the meme would have it, why not, why not both? both? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because uh, actually that, you know... I know no one ever goes back in the New World Next Week archives, but they really should. If you look at what we were covering a decade ago, uh, or 13 years ago, I, I'm sure it's a lot of the stories that now are suddenly make sense in today's context. So anyway, we'll continue to have that particular vantage point, and things that we're talking about now will probably make sense in a few years. Anyway, yeah, so as we know, China is the testing ground for the New World Order. And let's never forget, as David Rockefeller told us, the social experiment in China under Chairman Mao's leadership is one of the most important and successful in human history. Yay. And China continues to be that vanguard for all sorts of social oppression of various sorts. And how can we better control the human livestock? Let's try it out in China and then import it to uh, to the U.S. and everywhere else around the world. And uh, so we can see what is happening there is uh, some version of it is going to be sold in the free democratic Western countries. Um, the only question is how they go about doing it. And as you say, the catalyz catalyzing catastrophic event of a cyber 9-11 certainly could be an aspect of that. It doesn't have to be that way. It's already taking place, actually, under various guises. Again, as you allude to, uh, under the uh, won't someone think of the children? Uh, there's already the uh, the uh, the age restrictions on on adult websites that are now requiring people to submit government ID in, into their ISP in order to prove that they're an adult, or to to websites in order to prove they're an adult. And the the sites that are being set up to act as the middlemen to approve all of this are shady and private corporations anyway, and there's a lot of questions surrounding how all of this is going to play out, but long story short, it's not going to end up well in the long run, because we know what this is really about. This is about the ability to control people like you and me from saying things online, and the way they're going to do that is construct this big propaganda narrative about, oh no, it's the uh, whatever, it's think of the children, it's, it's whatever you care about. That's the reason we need everyone to thumb scan and iris scan to get on online and say what they're going to say. So uh, I think we're seeing a number of different uh, vectors towards the same goal in today's episode of Neural Next Week. Having said that, um, I, as I say, I think it, the propaganda will play out differently in different countries. So um, what's happening in China will probably not happen in the exact same way in the United States and elsewhere, but it's some version of that is coming. And um, it'll be fun finding out exactly how they end up rolling this out in the Western countries, won't it, James? I was just seeing some screen grabs earlier today of what purports to be Twitter already experimenting with. No, you're going to have to upload a selfie and your ID to show that you're of age to be allowed on this. It's all coming together. 
And as you've been saying, we have been talking about this for nearly 13 years here on New World Next Week alone. And that is episode 526. I always got to give my uh, notes and plugs here at the end. First things first, really a kind of important one I, I, I thought we had gone through, but I want to reiterate. New P.O. Box. Since last September, make sure, please make sure you have the new P.O. Box address. Brock, please put it on the screen. P.O. Box 189, El Rito, New Mexico, 87530. We've had a few folks recently with some unfortunate smashed up packages. Thankfully, I guess, returned to them and that there weren't other folks in Santa Fe enjoying the canned goods that my buddy tried to send to me. New P.O. Box. We'll have it in the show notes. We'll have it printed there on the screen. Just make sure, yeah, you have the new P.O. Box. We've closed down the Santa Fe one many months ago. Uh, to paraphrase both Slayer and Brooks and Dunn, we're south of heaven, but now north of Santa Fe. Again, small amount of people get those jokes, just like our Simpsons jokes, James. Chris Hayes, rejoice. Corbett's Federal Reserve documentary, Century of Enslavement on the Uncancelable DVD, has just arrived in two big old boxes, but it's not on the store yet. It has not yet been updated at newworldnextweek.com. They just landed in boxes just here at the house. That's why you should go sign up at newworldnextweek.com to get notified the moment it goes live on the store, Century of Enslavement, the History of the Federal Reserve, that is the two-disc DVD set, and I'll even have the link for you. Create an account on New World Next Week. This doesn't make you a member of Media Monarchy or a member of Corber Report, James. We're, we're going to have to make a How the Store Works video probably one of these days. And that's a way to support the work that we do that is ad-free and fear-free and, again, long-time work. If you're able, another way to support us is to sign up, to become a Media Monarchy member, to become a Corbett Report member, and give us that monthly support that helps us to continue to do all this work, James, for a combined 35 years. I know I told you I took off last week for my birthday, but next week I turn 18! Media Monarchy went online September 11th, 2005. Media Monarchy, rarely imitated, never duplicated. I am El Rito Suave. And that was New World Next Week, episode 526, James. Nice. It's good to be back. Uh, and yes, happy birthday for uh, anyone who missed it. It was James's birthday. So everyone in the, uh, all the bots in the comments, please say with me, happy birthday, fellow human. And uh, we'll be back doing it again next week as usual james thank you as as always for your time thanks so much buddy take care <laughs>